Hi everyone, welcome back to Mummy Matters. Our guest today I know will be godsend for many parents. A sleep consultant who can have your baby sleeping through in as little as a few weeks, giving you back your evenings. The founder of Silver Lining Sleep Consulting, it's my pleasure to introduce Sonal Dokia. Well, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. I've been really looking forward to doing this with you. Uh, my name is Sonal Dokia, and I'm a baby and child sleep consultant. I have three daughters myself, and I am the founder of Silver Lining Sleep Consulting. So my journey into sleep consulting really started with my two-year-old. Uh, when she was born, um, we went into our first lockdown. She was five weeks old, and I spent my maternity leave at home with a newborn baby and two young children to homeschool, who were then four and five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I really realized what a lack of having a village felt like at that time, because that support system that we're so used to having in our parents and relatives just wasn't there at that time. Um, So it was difficult enough um, as a transition into having three children at that point. Um, But it was made even harder by the fact that I wasn't sleeping very well and my youngest daughter wasn't a good sleeper to begin with. Her sleep Uh, got a lot worse as she started to get older. I always had the hope that she would become a good sleeper by the time she was about a year old, similar to her sisters. Um, But that didn't happen. It actually got progressively worse to the point where me and my partner were really struggling with her sleep when she was about 14 months old. Um, And we reached out, we reached out for help. And there's this community team in terms of the NHS uh, are fantastic in what they do, but they don't really have anywhere to signpost mothers to if they're struggling with sleep. Um, And that's what I found. I was told to basically let her cry a little and get used to it. And then she would learn how to fall asleep. And I just didn't feel comfortable doing it. Yeah. I haven't had the heart to do with any of my daughters. So that was something I didn't want to do, but yet I couldn't carry on how I was. Um, We got to the point where even my partner who was driving and commuting to work, couldn't remember the journey and was scared that he was gonna have an accident. So we were worried about safety um, and we were worried about just how we were functioning as a family. We were really struggling at a low point. That's the first time that I um, found out about sleep consulting. It was actually a lady who was doing my painting and decorating because we'd moved house. And she mentioned that she'd used one with her youngest daughter. So naturally, as soon as she left, I Googled sleep consulting straight away. (laughs) This magic is and how could they help me, right? So that's what I did. And um, as any parent naturally would do, you want to find the best person to work with you and your child. So I was looking for the best person to help me. And in that journey in making those calls, um, I discovered a, a lady who then I went on to train with to become a sleep consultant myself. And uh, me and my partner, we sleep trained Serenity, my youngest daughter together in a gentle way. And it was just an absolute eye opener for me because I didn't know so much about sleep. And as a quite well-educated person, I like to read books and I like to learn about things. I felt like I couldn't figure the sleep out, even though I was trying so hard. Um, And it wasn't anything to do with what I was doing. It was more about learning about my child and what they needed and how I needed to respond to them in order to teach them about sleep. So that was just a complete eye-opener for me. And that's how I started my journey. And... um, just knowing how, how difficult that journey was, uh, the, the sleep deprivation, just the impact mentally and physically on my health, um, it just spiraled. And I, I, I felt really unwell by the time that first year was done. Um, I was ready for the kids to go back to school and Serenity started sleeping well finally. And we then started to be able to look after our own health. Um, but yeah, it really takes a toll on you. So like, I, I always, think that sleep is really underrated like people don't usually consider the whole sleep being important you know people just get on with it I mean especially now like there's this culture about you know being always on the go and always working and always getting somewhere and things like that it really takes a toll on like sleep so what are the like what are the symptoms if you are sleep deprived and like kind of if you leave it what can it lead to okay so one of the things you touched on is that we don't prioritize sleep because there is just so much to do and we're always thinking and miss out on things that we need to be doing. Um, Sleep is really vital for our well-being. It's one of the pillars that underpins our well-being and our health. It really is just like eating well, drinking water, 
sleeping um, and exercising, they are really core to our well-being. Um, one of the main things that sleep is vital for is for your cognitive development and your emotional well-being. Uh, we can't regulate our emotions as well if we haven't had a good amount of sleep. Okay, so if we're on broken sleep yeah. consistently, it, you'll know the next day that you find it difficult to kind of manage those emotions. Um, also, sleep is huge for children's development, cognitively, physically, emotionally, socially. They need good quality sleep. Um, sleep plays a huge role in our restoration and immunity as well. As mums, our body becomes quite depleted after having a baby, and it takes up to a year before we're fully back to feeling like our normal selves and the good health. And it's because our vitamins and minerals, everything that we've, had, we've got in our body goes into our baby naturally, and we need to replenish all that. So lack of sleep reduces your immunity as well. Your cells regenerate when you sleep. So if all of that is lacking, you're more likely to be run down and more likely to catch any bug that's going around. Yeah, which is good in this, in this uh, <laughs> time at the moment, is it? Yes, and, and it also for children, their growth hormones are secreted at certain phases of when they sleep. So it's really important that they go through all the phases of sleep and sleep deeply and sleep well. So, you know, like you touched on something, you, you said that when you were, when your little one was, wasn't sleeping well, you, you wanted her to be a, a good, <laughs> good um, baby. Um, do all children, do they all sleep through? Because I know it's a big thing. Um, you always hear like, you know, like when you have a little one, they always, people always ask you, oh, is it a good baby? Do, do they sleep through? Um, <laughs> children are children. Okay. And and there's no good and bad about it. It's, it's just like behaviors. There's good and bad behaviors. Yeah. Child might not sleep to the best of their capabilities. Is that's what we're saying? We're saying they're not a good sleeper. Yeah. Okay? They're not sleeping as well as they could be sleeping. Um, and similarly, it's, you know that has an impact on their behavior as well in the day. Like if we don't feel like we're getting the right amount of sleep, and we feel like you know everything is a bit of a drag in the day, it's really difficult for us to just do the basic things we need to do to function. Mm children feel that too and they can be cranky they can be overtired they're not in the best mood they will have more tantrums um, and sometimes we can class that as a naughty baby or a bad child and bad behavior when the reality is a little bit deeper and the reasons behind that is is lack of sleep often yeah no but it's it's quite good that you've touched upon that because it kind of puts moms in that automatic kind of fight or flight kind of thing that oh well actually my baby's a bad baby because my baby's not sleeping through but generally I found my all my all three of mine and I'll be honest none of them have slept through none of them up until around age three and then something magical happened and they just start sleeping through around age three um but I've that that's what I've had and I've kind of just gone with it um and it's worked for me now now they all like sleep really well um as long as they sleep one time and they're not overtired and you know all the other factors that come along with it so what what can moms do to kind of get a better night's rest is there something that they can they can do um before actually getting into bed um which will give them that better sleep they probably won't be able to do like like the best sleep if your child's kind of up and up and down constantly throughout the night what can they do if we're looking at just the mother in terms of what what can we do for moms in terms of helping them to be able to switch off and go to sleep? I'll show you my top five tips. <laughs> First one is having a shutdown routine. I find this really, really useful because we're on the go all the time. There's so much stuff going around in our head that having something to, to have a, a way of shutting down before we go to sleep, just like we wind our children down before they go to sleep is really important. So for me, that would mean um, having a journal next to my bed, making a note of the things that are running through my mind that I might need to park for tomorrow, um, planning my day for tomorrow a little bit, and, and just having maybe somewhere to write my gratitude down, you know, and just kind of end the day, have like a little summary of things that I'm happy about, things that I want to carry into the next day. So that having that shutdown routine is really important for me. Um, the second thing I find that really affects your ability like to have that good sleep is your phone's having your mobile phone right next to you all the time as you sleep as well. Um, we're so used to it in society. We reach for it all the time. I do it all the time. <laughs> so it's, it's actually hard to not reach for it, a uh, habit. But if you don't actually use your phone in that last hour before bed, you're much more likely to get a better quality night's sleep. So 
one of my tips is to take your phone, charge it further away, or even in you know the landing outside the room. But if you need the alarm, maybe at another plug point further away from your bed. Yeah. So you actually physically have to get out of bed. And then, so you're not tempted first thing to scroll through it or last thing at night. Third tip, um, a nice warm drink, something that you find soothing. Some people like herbal drinks, uh, herbal teas. I, at the moment, one of my favorites is just having like a turmeric latte. So basically milk with honey and herder. And it's lovely. I like it. I really enjoy that. And that makes me feel quite nice. Um, fourthly, uh, I would say have some sort of exercise in your day. Working out kind of gives you, um, the, that movement is really important as well. And it, your muscles kind of need that time to relax and you'll feel your body feels a bit heavy as well at night when you lie down and it's ready to take the sleep. Just don't exercise right before bed if it stimulates you. So just do it a little bit earlier. And lastly, um, wear something comfortable to fall asleep in. And I love my eye mask. I have a weighted lavender eye mask that I wear. Nice. And it's almost like a blackout for an adult, <laughs> you know, because it's so bright. But I love it because the scent is soothing for me. And I put it on and I close my eyes and I go to sleep. And I love it. It makes me feel really like, uh, like I'm taking care of myself. I hope that helps somebody because those tips are really useful for me. But it's, it's kind of funny because like as a mother, sometimes you find that you're kind of constantly on the go you know you're always doing stuff for others but I like the fact that you're saying that you know even if it's five ten minutes before bed you're making that time out for yourself um which I think is great because I think a lot of us just don't we kind of I do it you know kids are going to sleep you go downstairs and you're literally scrolling through Netflix <laughs> something for a bit to calm down you know unwind and then you just crash out on the sofa or you come upstairs and you just crash out there's none of that you know like you're saying that time for yourself um to be able to just just have that time i think i think slowing down is such an important part that we all need to learn and i think we're all we're all like still on this journey of learning how to slow down how to take a step back um but hopefully that should that should help get a better night's rest absolutely i mean if you do have young children that don't sleep well obviously that's not going to be you're not going to have those perfect evenings where you can have that time to switch off but even like you said if it's five ten minutes you get before you go to sleep that's quite useful yeah. um, and if you do have a child that's very wakeful and wakes in the evenings and wakes through the nights despite your best efforts it might be a good time to think about teaching them how to fall asleep independently so when they go to sleep they can do that by themselves and if they wake in the night they know how to resettle themselves as well one of the things I was itching to ask you crying out method does it work oh it's such a myth crying out is it is a method it is a method of sleep training, but it's not one that I use at all, just because I've never had the heart to do it with my girls. So I wouldn't expect to do any, any family that I work with to do it. Um, there are four um, broad methods of sleep training. Cry out is one extreme. Right. And the other extreme is like co-sleeping and having that sort of, um, you know, sleep with your baby until they're ready to potentially be more independent, which could be three years old, four years old, five years old, six years old. Okay. Um, there's no real age when people, when children become um, independent sleepers. It's not a developmental milestone like some people think. How is it? Not, no. Um, I know people say, oh, you know, they're not going to be in my bed when they're 14. And that's probably true. <laughs> that's probably <laughs> I think for yourself, you're quite lucky that your children were sleeping well by the time they were sort of three years of age. Mm -hmm. um, but some can go on longer. I work with families with children up until the age of seven. You still need a parent in the room to help them um, go to sleep. And if they wake in the night, they still need a parent to come in and help them resettle back to sleep. And um, so, so yeah, it's not something that will just automatically you get at a certain point. So something to work, you know, keep in mind. Um, but your question, you were saying, cry out method, does it work? Well, it probably does. It probably works. But I would say what it teaches your child is more to silence them, okay? It silences them because it teaches them that nobody is actually coming when I cry. And the true cry out method is you make sure your baby is fed, is comfortable, has a fresh nappy, is, you know, perfectly fine. You've met all their needs and then you're putting them down and then you're actually not going back to them till the morning, whether they cry or don't cry. Mm -hmm. So you understand why that would be so difficult and it would work because what it teaches your child is if I cry, nobody actually comes to me yeah. that's not the message that I'm trying to teach my families when my families come to me and we're doing sleep training together 
what I'm teaching the children and what I'm teaching the parents to teach the children is how to get their children to confidently go to sleep, but also know and trust that their parents will be there should they wake and need them. So if they are unwell or if they, if they just need somebody in the room, then they can call out and they're not afraid that nobody's going to come. Yeah. But at the same time, they also know how to resettle themselves. So it's very unlikely that they'll wake you unless they really need you. Sure. How important is it to set boundaries? Like, I know, I'll give you an example. My little one at nursery, she goes to sleep great. You know, they put the bed down. She just goes and lies down, goes straight to bed for nap time, um, gets up at the right time, sleeps through, gets up at the right time, and then is ready to carry on the day. At home, when she was obviously a bit younger, um, and even now from time to time, she'll be like, I want mommy. I want mommy. <laughs> so like, how important is it to set those boundaries um, at home so that they have kind of a structure? Is that is that kind of going to help um, with establishing sleep? Um, not only for yourself, but obviously for the child as well. Um, or is it something that, you know, doesn't really make that much of a difference? It just depends on what you're preferences are and how your child likes to sleep like if they for example the example you gave where a child will sleep quite well at nursery um, but then at home wants that additional comfort um, what that shows you is that they are perfectly capable of going to sleep yeah. <laughs> by themselves they are yeah. of doing it however in a nursery environment they see their peers they see the other children yeah. sleep at the same time so it's almost the, the norm and also what nurseries have is they probably have that routine so they know this is what happens. They put the bed mats out, they go to sleep on them. They have the music on perhaps. Um, and similarly, if we want the children at home to go sleep, go to sleep or go to nap, at, like in a similar fashion, whatever that method may be that we choose, we need to be consistent in applying it. Mm -hmm. So that children understand what we're asking of them because some children can be pre-verbal, they don't know, like just by us saying, we want you to sleep in your bed or we want you to sleep in the car or not on the sofa. They won't understand that fully, but the way that we show it to them is through our actions. Yeah. An action. Yeah, that's, that, sounds, that sounds good. Um, what would happen if you prolong, like as a mother, if you're constantly sleep deprived and it's the symptoms are prolonged, what kind of effects um, does that have Okay, so when we become a mom or we have a new baby, we know that we're going to expect some sleeplessness to begin with, at least the four, five, six months, okay? So we are kind of mentally prepared for that a little bit. However, prolonged sleep deprivation can impact you at a very core level. So we're talking about our emotional well-being, how happy we feel. We can start feeling quite low because we're not getting the sleep that we need. We start losing the joy in our day-to-day -day activities with our children. It's difficult to stay present and focus yeah. um, one of the key things is that we can't really focus very well on what we're doing you become quite forgetful you know you can go to the same room twice and still don't know what you're going in for <laughs> um and and the other thing is it's the longer term effects as well like you find it difficult to regulate your weight or lose weight and you can gain weight quite easily when you're sleep deprived because oh, okay. we reach for the wrong foods when we're tired we don't yeah. have to go and make something healthy um, and all those sort of things will lead to longer term health problems like heart disease, type 2 diabetes, anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we see long term that happens if you are continually in that space where you're being sleep deprived. OK, so the key to sleep deprivation is to get some sleep. OK, one of my pet peeves <laughs> is the is we've talked about this before, is when parents get told to sleep when the baby sleeps. It's mine too. I hate it. <laughs> because you just realise how how you can't do it yeah. <laughs> however if we've got new moms that are listening who are first time moms with first time babies then I would say sleep when baby sleeps okay yeah. you don't have other children running around your feet so if you have only got a newborn to look after and they're sleeping there is the temptation to clean the house or get on top of the chores or do something for yourself and that's fine if you need a little bit of me time just make sure you're resting while you're doing it yeah. if you can't nap but as a first time mom, I would say sleep when the baby sleeps. But then as we know, if we have another baby and <laughs> we've got a younger child running around or maybe more than one, um, it can be very difficult. And it's just really unrealistic to think that we can get some sleep when our little one's sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because <laughs> the amount of times I've heard it, the amount of times that people have said that to me or I've heard someone 
telling me that people are saying that to them. I mean, it sounds good in textbook and they probably tell you that at antenatal classes and things like that. Um, but the reality is once you have more than one, you're not getting that sleep when that baby sleeps because you're probably either entertaining another one, you're getting the house ready, you're, you know, sorting out. You have to prep, you've yeah, got exactly. to do for the family. And, and also, even with a newborn, if it's just the one baby, they're often in that fourth trimester stage with their newborns. They just want to be held to sleep. Yeah. So by the time they're in that deep sleep before you can put them down anywhere, you've probably got 20 minutes to do something. Yeah. <laughs> you really haven't got a lot of time you nip to the loo and come back and then the one <laughs> i would say prioritize get some good food in you you know yeah. get energy in you get some rest or just yeah. have a contact nap and enjoy them for a little while and get some rest yourself yeah no definitely things you can do um try and get an early night when your baby sleeps as well try and get some early nights um prioritize sleep over cleaning the house will be fine try and get a cleaner for that first year when you're on maternity leave if you can do that because it would just take the weight off your shoulders a little yeah. bit when it comes to the home. I found that really useful. I did that with my firstborn. Um, it just means you can enjoy your baby as well. Yeah. Then I think that's, 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 that's a big thing. Like you use, you, I think, I don't know if it's just every mother, but I know I myself, every second you get in the day, you kind of account for, like you don't mm -hmm. sit, you're like, okay, right. Some, something else needs attending to. And you'll just do it without realizing. But then at the end of the day, the amount of time you've actually spent on, the meaningful things like making memories with your child like you know just sitting down and having a conversation sometimes all these kind of things get left behind a little bit and you're kind of playing catch up a little bit to try and make yourself feel like you're actually doing things because I know I've got three um while they're talking to me I'm always doing something there's always something going on um but from time to time you have to you have to put things down and say no I have to give 100% because that's what matters at the end of the day that, that no. That's what that's it's about, right? True. That's very true. And I think that's where mom guilt comes in so much. Yeah. It's such a mental load to keep on top of. And plus, if we've got more than one child, I've got three myself. When one's child, once the child starts to ask you something, the other one will always <laughs> want the attention at the same time. Yeah. Never give one child attention one-on-one, -on -one, unless you've got another parent who can handle the other two. Yeah. You get a bit of quality time. It's always a juggling act. That's it. You're spinning plates constantly. You're doing yeah. enough for any of them, but just know you're doing your best. Yeah. Just being that, just having that awareness is enough to know that you know you're trying your best. Yeah, and the fact that you you want to do your best, I think that that speaks volumes about the kind of mother you are. Like if you didn't care about giving it your best, and if things didn't matter to you, then you're questioning questioning yourself. But if you actually care about giving your child that one on one time, or you're you're feeling like you're not and you're making that extra effort, you're you're automatically a good mother because you care. And I think that 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 point gets missed often because you're constantly like, oh, well, if I give my child um, the time, then I'm a good mother. But in reality, the fact that you're thinking about that makes you a good mother. And I think that that's something that's often missed. Um, I don't think motherhood is something that you can say, oh, you know, I've got this, 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 this done. So I'm a good mother. I think <laughs> a lot of a lot of motherhood is the stuff that you can't measure. Um, you can't measure it and the thing is it's always evolving and changing and we could talk about this forever but <laughs> one of those topics where you know you're making food from scratch yeah know, all these things that we you know with my firstborn everything was fresh everything was pureed and I did everything then I got I was like okay it's all right to have a bit of freezer food it's okay to have a few extra batches made and then defrost them and it's just giving yourself a little bit of patience and going it's okay I give myself permission to not be 100% perfect in every single area because that's not the important thing. Yeah, yeah. And also it's the expectation. I think the expectation and the reality of it is two very different things. And I think the quicker you understand that, okay, you may feel like you want to do so much and you may feel like you can be everywhere and do everything and be 100% all the time. You can't, like you, there will be times where you, you, you can't give 100%. Um, and those times are okay as well, it's just, it's just part of your part of your day you know it doesn't make you a bad mom um, and I'll share on that actually there's a when my first daughter was born like she's seven years old now my life was pretty much split what I would do with her in the day was everything like I everything I could do for her I would do I would take her out in the morning then she'd come home and have a lovely lunch and she'd have a nap and then we'd go out in the afternoon and I was always doing things with her I didn't clean in the day and the minute she fell asleep I was then doing the catching up the yeah the hoovering the wiping the clean prepping the nappy bags everything but when she was with me she was my sole focus and I didn't want her to miss out on anything but then all that did was 
ultimately I can't live a split life <laughs> and it catches up with you and you are exhausted so yeah. you have to learn to, to juggle them both definitely it's as you said it is a juggling act right um and you know no day is the same you have to you have to just go with it and whatever comes your way kind of just dodge it and make the best of it but when, when you're not a mother you have so many things that you have picked up from other people that have said things or you've heard things or you've read things from society so we almost have a, a picture or a vision of what we think motherhood's going to be like and then when we enter it ourselves we realize for ourselves how different the world conceives us to be and what our actual workload is and how much we actually have to do yeah. the reality is very different um and we're not meant to be able to do everything we were meant to have a village and now I think in this day and age not everyone has that village we just don't we all work long hours you know we have families in both parents are in jobs um and we also have children who are a bit older now it's not just in our 20s so our parents are a bit older mm. and they're capable of like fully looking after our kids for days on end um I know when my girls go over to to my mom's she'll be exhausted the next day she needs two days to recover <laughs> <laughs> not realistic to expect that yeah. kind of either so yeah I think that the perception of that village has changed massively it's not how it was for say my my mom you know my mom lived in an extended family everyone helped looked after each other everyone literally lived on the same street or a couple of streets down everyone was in walking distance you know things like that it all makes a difference doesn't it um, yeah and like with my mom for example like I know when she when 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 I was born we all lived in an extended family. So the cooking wasn't done by one person. The cleaning wasn't done by that same person. You know, looking after the kids wasn't done by that same person. Now it's kind of all on that one person, unless you still live with that great support system. But I think the majority of us, it's not it's not to that level anymore, um, which obviously has a, a dramatic effect on how we parent in the modern world. Um, but... But yeah, it, I think this perception of you need a village to raise a child, I think that has completely changed now, especially post-COVID. You don't have that village anymore. Not, not the way it used to be. I think it's it's become very apparent, you know, since COVID. And and, and yeah, and I think maybe what, what you're trying to do here with the podcast and bringing the, the mums together in a community is creating our own village. Yes. So that we can rely on, which I think the message. That's definitely it. It's, it's one platform that brings us all together, that unites us all, because I think it's not about just friends and family anymore. It's about reaching out, getting the help you need to make you a better person and making you feel like you again. The other thing is you go into motherhood thinking you're going to have all the support. And a lot of us don't. A lot of a lot of mothers go in thinking, yeah, you know, I'm going to have this great thing. The husband's going to help out. The grandparents will help out. And it's not always the case. It's not always the case for people. So then to have lived that reality that I've got a newborn child, I'm struggling, I can't turn to friends and family who I thought would be helping, um, where do I go to? And I think a lot of, of mums then have to almost learn on the job, pick up those pieces and then try and figure it out. There is help out there. It's just about knowing where to look and you know, actually reaching out, which I think a lot of mums still hesitate with. So hopefully through the podcast, I'm hoping that, you know, people will find that courage to be able to step up and just say, you know, it's fine. I think that is one of the barriers sometimes with, with sleep consulting as well. Like when families need the help, they feel like they can't ask for the help or perhaps because their parents didn't need the help and they're just told, you know, we just got on with it. So <laughs> your child will learn to sleep eventually. So it's almost like you're meant to keep going, keep going, regardless of how you're feeling yeah. um, because other people did it but we don't have to measure ourselves by other people and their experiences. We need to be true to our own. And if we are struggling and we need the support, we are in the information age. We are in a place now where information and knowledge and consultants and coaching is available. It's all like um, your fingertips, isn't it now? It's like, you don't yeah, have to look very far. It can absolutely transform your life. You, nobody needs to sit at home and struggle on their own. Yeah, definitely. I'm so glad you've, you've brought that up because that's, that, I think that's the biggest message that a modern mother has to has to understand that it's we're not living the same way as our parents or their their parents lived like we are living in today which is very different parenting has completely changed um the way we do things has completely changed now so you know don't be so hard on yourself you don't have to suffer in silence and just go with it you know reach out get the support you need 
Absolutely. And I think the time is the real commodity rather than paying for a service. If you think about your time, yes. what does, what do you get? What do you get? So, so for example, when I'm working with my families, what they've been struggling with for maybe months or years, I help them transform their child's sleep within two to three weeks. Wow, that's amazing. Evenings back, so that gives them nights back, it gives them all good rest, so they're starting to feel like themselves. How many months and years have you saved? How many hours in the evenings have you spent in like your child's bedroom trying to get them to sleep? Getting all that extra time back, well, how valuable is that to you? And it works wonders as well. Like, you know, I myself will tell you, my child used to be up and it wasn't even up for a reason. She was literally up just to see my face. Like that's how silly it was. Like she would get up just to see my face and I'd take her back in the room and she'll lie down and go straight back to sleep again. There was, there was no need that she needed to be up. It was just the fact that she would come and find me in the house. Like, where are you? She just needed um, to see you there, didn't Yeah, you? yeah. It's just that reassurance. Yeah, it's just that reassurance that, you know, mommy's there. But the thing is, is the minute they started sleeping better, I could get so much done in the evenings and you know it makes such a difference because you wake up thinking oh, okay I've got all this done in the evening and it's fine like so now like when they when they do have a bad night or when they are up a lot you instantly know because it affects your time like you just feel like where's my evening gone so I, I completely agree that you know time is like the biggest biggest commodity right now like we we just have to make the most of it yeah and our children grow so fast you know you look at them one minute and, and you blink and you look again and you just think how's that year gone and how have they grown so much and now they're getting like adult teeth and they, you know their faces are changing and so much is going on yeah and my baby is now talking in full sentences <laughs> yeah. it's like wow just wow it's mind-blowing so you, you're not in that the first five years just slip away so quickly yeah. and if you are struggling with sleep you're not going to make the most of it you need to have those memories you need to be able to remember some of it you don't want it to be this hazy fog that you're in so I was there I've been there I know exactly how difficult it is um and that's why I do what I do now I don't want other families to struggle unnecessarily with sleep yeah, yeah. amazing amazing so what services do you provide and kind of when when what age can they start doing sleep training from Sleep training, babies are cognitively ready and able to learn this skill independently by the age of sort of four and a half months. So usually four and a half to six months is a good time to do sleep training um, because they're not into, if you've got new habits in that place, say for example, rocking or feeding to sleep, they haven't been doing that habit for too long and it's easier to break those habits. Because what I do is I work on behavioral aspects only, not medical. So sleep training is a behavioral um, strategy that teaches children how to fall asleep more independently. So four and a half months at the earliest, um, but then I work with children all the way up to age seven. And actually I've worked with a child who was eight as well. So I do take it case by case. So if a family asks me for support, I would look and I would see, is there something I can do to help them? But yeah, if you haven't done it already and it's an issue, then whatever age you're at, it's the perfect age. <laughs> I suppose people can just get in touch with you and get the advice. Of yeah, and just see what's the best yeah. of action. Um, so in terms of my services, what I do is I provide one-to-one -one support. So I provide one-to-one -one sleep training support. It's all gentle and responsive. It's all evidence-based methods that I use. So uh, what I do primarily is I help exhausted parents, okay, gain energy by giving them the tools that they need to help their child sleep better so that they are fully well-rested and they're getting some me time back. And the way that I do it, I have a really simple sort of seven step process. Um, firstly, we'd speak on the phone and just figure out what your sleep challenges are yeah. have a look at that and see if it'd even be a good fit to work together. Okay. Um, and if you were and you wanted to work together, the next step would be doing a nice detailed sleep assessment, understanding where the, the habits are coming from, um, what your challenges are. So I look at everything in detail. And then third step is to do a customized sleep plan. So I create something bespoke for you to take you from where you are right now to where you want to be. Okay. And we have a plan in place for two to three weeks. Um, and then I have a consultation with you. So it's, it's kind of talking the parents through. And sometimes if you live in an extended family, you can even have grandparents hop on the call so they can understand it because we need everybody who's going to be tending to that child to be on the same boat, um, yeah. consistently applying the methods as well. Once the face-to-face -face consultation is done, my families keep a sleep diary and then I support them with coaching calls and I have messaging service unlimited throughout the time, the duration of their program. And I literally handhold them and take them through every step of the way. 
so that there's no second guessing at any stage. They don't have to worry about anything they can ask me along the way. And what I'm doing at that point is I'm imparting knowledge on them. I don't need to retain any of this for myself. I'm trying to, trying to empower them to become their own child sleep expert so that they can manage their sleep going forward. We're not doing a short-term solution. We're doing a long-term solution here. So it's not a Band-Aid. Yeah. If you feel like you have an issue that I can't help you within 30 minutes, I won't offer you a 30-minute service. If I think you need the full thing, that's what, we, that's what I'd, I'd recommend. So I want you to take away something that's going to last. So I teach parents um, everything they need to know and what tools are going to work for their child so that they can navigate through illness, teething, all of those things as well later on they do they do have an effect effect on baby sleep yeah and the other thing i do after that is write them the written forward plans so they've got something to take away as well and there's always like extra support if they need to just get on call with me they can do in the future but usually 100 of my families that work on a one-to-one basis get to their goals in that two three week period and they're happy wow three weeks yeah so that's my core service that's the one that i absolutely love doing because i love seeing that transformation in the families you know, they come in, they're tentative, they're a little bit anxious, they're not sure. And by the time they come through it, the confidence is there. They can see how much of a difference it's made to their child in terms of their, um, how they're behaving in the day as well. That they're just happier, you know, yeah. they're happier for having had that sleep. And the parents are starting to feel better. It's like that sleep deprivation is starting to lift. Yeah. Hope. <laughs> and they feel really pleased about that. So that's what I love. Um, I also offer like a newborn sleep consultation for babies that are under 18 weeks. Okay. So if you're a first time parent or you've got a big gap between your children, you just want to refresh yourself. It teaches, um, what I do there is I give them the confidence to understand what's going to happen in that fourth trimester, what's normal, what's not normal, how to navigate through it. So people worry about picking up bad habits sometimes or am I doing the right thing? You know, and it kind of just gives them the confidence of knowing what to expect. Yeah. And I- leave them with um, things that they can practice with their baby at their own pace because you can't really sleep train until they're like four and a half months old what you do before that can be a bit of practice for a couple of minutes at a time but it adds up to when they're ready when they're ready it makes that transition so much easier and then I also offer like a ask me anything consultation that's like a 30 minute one and that's for children who already can self-settle like ours you know like our children go to bed fine but if, say, for example, their routine is completely out of sync or they're waking up at five or four o'clock in the morning consistently and you're like, I just can't do this anymore. How do I get them to sleep longer or, or anything else that you feel is thrown off? Then maybe it's nap battles or they just won't sleep. Um, if there's something that doesn't feel right and you want some professional help with, then a 30 minute troubleshooting session like an Ask Me Anything call is perfect for those parents. Yes, there is help available in a a variety of different ways. You choose something that suits you and feels right for you. I love that. I love that it's bespoke because obviously no child is the same. So what would work for me maybe won't work for you. Um, But obviously you cater for that and you accommodate. This is is where I, this was a big eye opener when I started learning about sleep and I was training to become a sleep consultant. It wasn't what I was doing wrong. (laughs) That was the problem. It wasn't me that couldn't figure the sleep out. It wasn't sleep. It was my child, her uniqueness. Yeah. It's what I needed. So everything I tried to do that I'd done with uh, the older siblings, like the older girls, wasn't working for my youngest. And it wasn't working for her because she's different. She's not them. She's an entirely beautiful, unique individual in herself. So nothing's going to fit her. So we have to create something that fits her like a glove. Yeah. And all have a different learning style. Once you figure out that, their temperament, their personalities, and look at the habits that are in place, it works beautifully. And you can take children through that transition of teaching them independent sleep quite seamlessly. It's not as painful as you'd imagine it to be. Yeah. So how important is it for, like, say, the fathers to get involved with things like sleep and bedtime routines? I think that's a really good question. Um, my partner is amazing okay he will do bath time bedtime with the kids and he'll feed them sometimes he'll come in from work and I'm like not eating can you step in <laughs> and I'll start getting the bath ready go. I'm going now <laughs> we're a team we're yeah. a team okay and I think dad's being involved is so important so so important I mean we've all got probably a friend or someone we know where the mother our friend is the one who's doing the bulk of the parenting when it comes to sleeping 
okay? Perhaps dad doesn't know or doesn't have the confidence on how to settle the babies to sleep. Or but the baby, maybe the child just needs mommy and won't want daddy to settle. That happens a lot as well. Um, and sometimes they, because they know that, they don't want to get so involved. So they only get so involved and they let mommy carry on. Um, but honestly, I mean, with the families that I work with, I empower dads to get right in there, get involved and even leave sometimes for sleep training. Just for example, I'm working with somebody right now who their parents and their little one is six months old and she won't settle for dad. She will scream if dad tries to put it to sleep. And we've broken that already in a few nights and dad can now put her to sleep. And that is such a big thing for dad. Yeah. Having a baby that will just scream at him, she will now happily go to sleep for him. And I think we need to encourage the dads if they feel a little bit of a loss at how to help, um, they can help in the bedtime routine, like when the baths are happening, getting the preparation for the bedrooms, getting kids dressed, getting their bottles if they're drinking milk from the bottle, or helping mom if you pass the children on to be breastfed once they're ready and dressed. Um, and be involved. No, no, just know what your partner's doing as well, so that you're both being very consistent. So if one night dad can do bedtime routine, one night mom can do bedtime routine. Mm. Give each other a bit of time off. Um, and sometimes you can do it together. So it gives you a bit of flexibility if you both know what you're doing uh, and you're both being consistent because your child will then respond to you both in the same way. So there won't be any of this, oh, my, my baby doesn't settle for dad. They only want me. Because you're showing your child that it's okay for dad to be involved. Yeah. And your dad loves you and is every bit the parent that I am and can, can do this too. It's so important. It's not just for yourself, but as, as a as a couple, as a team, I think just having that dynamics just works wonders for your relationship as well. Because I can't imagine sleep deprivation not putting a strain on your relationship in some sort of way. 100%. And I think what happens here is that, you know, as a couple, before we have kids, we have a really good relationship, right? Which is why we marry the person we love. <laughs> and then we're going to have children with them. And then what can often happen is the split between chores, the split between routines and taking care of baby, can split us apart a little bit and we can become a little bit like the sleep deprivation will seriously um, cause me to be snappy. I know that that's something that happens to me if I haven't slept well, but then your relationships are strained. You resent, don't you? You resent. You, you, you can become it. resentful if you feel like you're doing the majority of the child care aspect. Yeah. Um, so, and so bringing your partner back in, saying it's okay, let's do this together. Um, that teamwork is so essential because it kind of brings you back together. Yeah. And it reminds you why you love each other so much and why you're important to each other, right? You're not just parents. Definitely. And, and that's something that we is really important in our household, that we don't forget the things that, we, that brought us together. Our children sleep really well. We go out and we'll go dancing one, one evening a week. You know, my, mom, my mom comes to babysit and we go, because dancing was what brought us together. And we don't want to lose that. You know, and we'll make time for ourselves in the evenings. We have a cutoff point when the cleaning gets done. And then it's time for us to be able to sit down, have a cup of tea together or do something. You need that. You, I think you need that just to maintain, maintain that relationship. Because once, once the children come, in the, come on the scene, I think it becomes all about the children. Um, yeah. And it's very important to understand there, there was a life before the children. And, you know, that is important too. And you can prioritize your children because they need it, obviously. Yeah. But you can also prioritize yourself. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Yeah. And I think a great way dads can get involved as well is morning time breakfast. Now, my partner does this every day. Okay. Baby wakes at seven. Girls wake at seven. He will go and get them. He will take them down for breakfast. He will give me one hour by myself. Sometimes I sleep for a little bit of that. <laughs> then I get up <laughs> before they come up and then I need to dress them all. He does that every day every day he'll take them down and start doing that with them so it gives mom a bit of a chance gives me a bit of a chance to right set my day up how I want because you know the last thing that you want is to wake up and then be rushing into your day routine yeah because it can set you off in a really bad mood <laughs> <laughs> had a few minutes to go right I can breathe I'll choose what I'm gonna wear I've got my makeup on a little bit I feel like me right now kids come along let's get you dressed and do this I'm ready now I'm ready for you I'm ready now if I can face the day <laughs> I mean you understand don't you yeah no definitely definitely it works wonder this is what I'm saying it's 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 so little compared to everything else 
but it just works wonders for your day like just being able to have that five minutes to yourself where you're not thinking about anything or not thinking oh the kids need this or rushing to kind of be at their every demand I mean it, it just works wonders it works well, just not being interrupted that not being interrupted because yeah. he takes them downstairs for breakfast I'm still upstairs for that hour they don't constantly come through the door mommy mommy or just want to show me something which I think is adorable but it interrupts your time if you're trying to focus on just setting yourself up for the day mentally. Yeah, yeah. I think that's with everything, though, to be fair. I, I, I've said it on my on my Instagram as well. The best way of getting your child to pay attention is to sit down and look like you're, you're relaxing because that is for the only time and they'll come up to you and ask you for things or they'll say, oh, yeah, look at this or let's do this. <laughs> um, so, so it's a little trick. If you want them to listen, if you want them to pay attention, just sit down and listen. Just don't do anything. And they'll that's be a good one. I like that, Raki. I like that. <laughs> so are there any myths? I'm sure there's loads around sleep. So are there any that you can kind of shine light on? Oh gosh, what, one of the first ones that comes to mind when you say that is breastfeeding. Sometimes parents feel like, oh, if you've got a breastfed child, they're just not going to sleep as well as a formula fed child. Big myth. Big myth. You can breastfeed. You can breastfeed on demand and still sleep train so that your child is sleeping to the best of their capability. There's no such thing as um, my child's not sleeping well because they're being breastfed only. That's a big myth. Um, as long as you breastfeed and you can put them down and they can take themselves back off to sleep, you're winning. Yeah, that's one. Um, sleep being a milestone is a big myth. It's not a milestone your child's automatically going to get to. It is a learned skill. We teach it to our children. Now, sometimes if we don't do anything, slowly so they start to learn like with your daughter she'd come and check on you in the night and she could see that you're there and she needed that reassurance for a good number of years before she thought okay yeah. I could check my mommy's still there anymore and she was okay with it after that and she carries on sleeping well some children take a lot longer before whatever's helping them fall asleep isn't what they need anymore so teaching them and, and realizing that sleep is a learned skill is a, is a big one you can teach it to them uh, another one is with sleep training you can't comfort and hold your child or reassure them throw that one out the window completely I love this one. <laughs> <laughs> you would you believe right now my daughter self-settled all three of them sleep beautifully okay but I will still hold her and I will still sing to her and I will still rock her around in my arms like she was when she was a newborn while I finish my songs with her and then I'll go down and she will go to sleep by herself so you can absolutely do all the things that you love doing with your baby and I suppose they need that, a little bit of that. It's not going to be like, you can't completely just be like, right, off you go to sleep type thing. Because it's not, that's, you don't that's, have to that's connection, isn't it? It's connection. You know, just by them touching you, it's connection. Makes them feel safe, makes them feel secure, which is all the things they probably need to Absolutely. be able to great night's rest. And you can do all of that part of your bedtime routine. You can make it beautiful. You can have all the cuddles and snuggles, all that quality time with them. And then when it's time to go to sleep, they're able to do it because they've had that really good quality time with you yeah yeah um another one keeping babies awake so that they're tired and will sleep better i hate that one i've had oh, that yeah. so many times absolutely rubbish because what will happen is your overtired child will get even more overtired yeah an overtired child is not easy to put to sleep yeah that's not only that not only that but i know like with mine when they are overtired or they've gone to sleep late they wake up more at night they do so they they don't sleep as well if they're overtired yeah more likely to wake through the night and have restless sleep yeah yeah so that's definitely another one um yeah i think that's the main ones and, and a sleep training cry out cry out sleep training they are not the same thing they're just not the same thing there are lots of different ways to sleep train if it was crying out then you could do that yourself you wouldn't need anyone's help yeah. <laughs> a point there <laughs> Absolutely. So I think those are the, the top myths that I find a little bit frustrating at times, but I happily talk through um, them with parents if they genuinely are concerned. Yeah. And I think I think it's an educating part, because I think in the previous generation, they obviously had all these myths, which a lot of the older generation have kind of brought down. Like, I know I've been I've probably been told all of those that you've said, the myths, um, but it's about educating the mothers now that you know there is a different way like it's not just they either cry or they don't you know if you hold them then they're not going to sleep you know you're, you're giving them too much attention before sleep you have to kind of just leave them to it 
they'll go to sleep you know like things like that I don't think is helpful but it's, it's good to know that the modern mother can get educated with what's accurate what's reliable and be able to kind of you know reach out to people like yourselves that know what they're talking about you know that everything's evidence-based you know there's no like you know trial and error in that sort of sense everything is evidence-based um and they can they can apply it to their own lives which i think i think it's good for the the modern mother now yeah the reason i found it silver lining sleep consulting is because i want everyone to have what i now have yeah i don't want everyone to go through that same struggle of not knowing where to ask and when you touched on trial and error do you know how hard trial and error is when you're sleep deprived yeah you are then relentlessly still trying something else and then still trying something else and not getting it right that's a really difficult ask of a mother to yeah. go in and keep trying something different when you don't actually need to you speak to somebody who's a specialist who can then advise you um, on the best strategies the thing is you're always going to know your child best yeah nobody not me not anyone else is going to know your child better than you knowing your child so what makes this work really well is that i know sleep i'm the sleep expert and you're the expert on your child and when we work together right? The information that you provide and the information that I have and the knowledge that I have, we put a winning formula in place to make sure that we get your child sleeping really well, confidently, happily, and with minimal tears. That's what we like to hear as mother, minimal yes. tears. <laughs> it is a big thing for moms. Crying is hard to hear. It, yeah. is. it absolutely is. Yeah, it is. There's so much to manage now as parents, don't we? Got to go back to work after maternity leave. Juggling so much. Um, that I think mother's well-beings get is lower on that priority ladder. Yeah, definitely. I need to raise the profile of it and go, right, no, you matter. Yeah. Mommy matters, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mommy matters. Mommy matters. <laughs> I mean, that that. That's it. Thank you so much for taking part in the podcast it's today. Awesome. It's been absolutely amazing. So if you want your child to sleep through. <laughs> with minimum tears, you know, and you getting your night, nights back, your evenings back, she's the person to speak to. How do people get in touch? <laughs> okay, so I've got a following on Instagram. You can come along and message me from there. I've got my um, website, which you can book a call to have a chat with me, silverliningsleepconsulting.co.uk. Um, but you can reach me on my Facebook page or my Instagram page. My mobile number is on there. Um, and you can just reach out and book a call or just message me on WhatsApp. And, and we'll have a look at our availability and get you well, let us know and we can forward it on if you've got any questions or anything because i know you do a q a on instagram don't you thank you i do a weekly q a on a wednesday which i'll be doing a little bit later today um yeah absolutely there's a chance to ask questions perfect perfect thank you so much and we shall you. Talk to you soon thank you so much for having me thank you